0: Welcome to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable. I am Wendy Batts here with my fellow, fr- well, my co-host, I guess. I was going to say fellow whatever, but you know what? You're a friend. You're a master region, regional instructor. You've been working with me forever, forever.
1: Whatever you call me, Wendy, I'll say yes. It works. Good
0: <laughs> well, Marty, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me today, and I'm really excited about our topic. We're going to be talking about hip internal rotation. And I know this is an area of the body that is often limited in range of motion. So we're going to talk about uh, how we can tell if it is number one. We're also going to go over ways of programming to help somebody if they are indeed lacking that range of motion.
1: Yeah, from a human performance standpoint, and that could be anything, you know, whether it's an elite athlete or someone who just wants to prevent low back pain. Having adequate hip internal rotation is crucial, or at least working towards what we'll call adequate. And it's just key to understand, like you said, Wendy, the basics behind it, why it's important, and then we'll talk about some programming strategies.
0: Yeah, and you know, especially when we see the rising numbers of people with low back quote, pain or discomfort, I mean, you know, internal and external rotation of the hips, guys, plays a very, very key and crucial role into limiting and decreasing some of that. Um, You know, we're not really treating pain, but discomfort. So hopefully today you're going to, you know, come away with really understanding why um, looking at hip internal rotation with your clients is important. And then again, like I said, ways to um, activate the muscles that are allowing or causing that uh, restriction. If you notice that it's there,
1: this is something I work on every day.
0: I know. <laughs> Trust me, me. Uh, there, one side, one side. I am so locked up. The other side, eh, not so bad. So uh, I am that one with the asymmetrical shift for sure. But you know, today when we really look at what we're going to discuss, we're talking about why internal hip rotation is important. Um, discuss the corrective exercise process in order to improve internal um, hip internal rotation. And then of course the programming ideas.
1: I think I'm right to the point, hopefully everyone will have some key takeaways. Yes. So Wendy, I know you and I both understand why hip internal rotation is so important. Um, it's crucial, you know, we've both come from an athletic performance background, athletic trainer and you working in uh, the physical therapy space when you came right out of college. But everybody, we say as an athlete, everybody needs to at least pay attention to their hip internal rotation and see where it's at. So, you know, a key point here is once you achieve roughly 90 degrees of hip flexion, as you'll see in the photo here, and that happens a lot, that's kind of like the ideal place to go into a squat, right? People would like to be able to squat to parallel. The hip begins to internally rotate. So you'll see here on the picture, it'll show exactly what hip internal rotation is. And the reason the hip goes into internal, internal rotation is to maintain that hip joint, that ball and socket congruency. So this is kind of just ideal motion or arthrokinematics of a joint. So it's normal uh, effects to keep that femur, which is the ball in the socket properly.
0: Yes and it is a very deep, I mean especially when you think about the comparison of your shoulder in relationship to your hip. I mean the ball and socket obviously is very shallow in the shoulder and it's very deep in the hip which again we need it to be. (laughs) That's super important but you know when you're looking at these pictures and then when we go to the next slide and you think about assessing it it's important to know where is somebody when you're looking at internal and external rotation. And, you know, ideally you want someone to have approximately 45 degrees of hip internal and external rotation to be as ideal as possible. Now, how do you measure that? Well, um, in the previous picture, you saw someone laying on their back, their leg was at a 90 degree and then somebody rotated their hip into internal rotation and then had one of these guys, the human protractor, also known as the goniometer, this is something I still use very, very often because I grew up with it. I like it and it tells me what I need to know. However, when you're going through the new corrective exercise um, content um, and the latest edition that NASM has brought, uh, you know, brought to all of us, it's so easy to do because you don't need to understand the goniometer. Because if you guys have never used one of these, there's numbers everywhere. There's red numbers, black numbers, you know, big numbers, small numbers. And if you're not really sure how to use a goniometer, it gets kind of confusing. So with the new um, assessment process, you're gonna see back on the slide, one of the easiest that you can do with a client is lay them on their stomach. So they're putting them in a prone position. They can be on the floor, it doesn't have to be a table. You have them put their knees and, and legs together at, you know, they're at 90 degrees, like you see in the above picture, and then just let their legs go out to the side. You know, you wanna keep that 90 degree angle so you don't want them to go past 90, meaning that their legs start to fall down towards the floor. And then look at them from the head, like you're standing where their head is and looking. Is it about halfway from 90 to the floor or the the table? And if they're pretty much even, then it's a, quote, pass, meaning, yep, they have it. And then that's one way of doing it. And so, again, we're trying to look. If they don't have it, it would be what we'd call, as Marty and I always say, Marty makes fun of me, a big fat fail, or yes, they pass. And it's not uncommon to notice one side might be good and the other side might be restricted. So if you don't see asymmetries, then you need to note if one of them is not going to that, that halfway point.
1: Yeah. And we took these instructions and description right out of the text. So you can find it right there in the corrective exercise content. You know, if you want to dig in and read more about it, but Wendy, you, you made it so easy for people to understand what we're trying to accomplish here. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And then you know, there's other assessments too. If somebody doesn't like to lay on the ground or you, know, you have a table or a chair or something where their feet can be um, floating off the ground, if you're my height, that's not hard to do. Um, obviously, if you're working with uh, you know, really tall individuals, you need to make sure that their, their feet do not come in contact with the, the ground, Like meaning that they can clear the space easily and they're not um, having to sacrifice their form. So you're sitting someone in an upright position, really good form. So still maintaining the kinetic chain checkpoints, but in a seated position. And then at that point, all you're going to have them do is bring their feet out to the side. So again, instead of them being face down, they're in a um, seated position. And then you're just looking again from like the table and where they started. Is there a halfway point? Because again, ideally, 45 degrees is what we're looking for. So you're going to take the 90 and cut it in half and you're going to see, you know, is it a pass or a fail?
1: And you know, the difference here, if you either are reading the type of motion or just thinking about what's happening with gravity or mm-hmm. you know how they're positioned, one, you have a passive test in the first one where gravity is going to show you how much range of motion. So it could be a muscular restriction if they don't go where they need to be. Here, it would, could be a muscular weakness because you are m- contracting the muscles to put you into hip internal rotation. So We're not going to dive too far deep into that today that's what we dive deeper into in the corrective exercise content and workshops is really understanding passive active weakness tightness so you can be very specific, but yes, there is a difference in these two tests, but now you have two different tests, you can use
0: yes. And again, we always want to assess, if not, we're guessing. So these are just some some ways of of going about that. And this is just the follow-up. Again, this is just more information. So if you guys do not have the corrective exercise content and you're looking for a little bit more information about what muscles might be restricted um, or, you know, what might be overactive. um, Because remember, just as as a quick review, if you haven't gone through the corrective exercise specialist content, we do these these different types of assessments because if somebody, let's say, had their feet turn out or their knees caved in, or they had an asymmetrical shift, and then we took them into these mobility assessments and they could do some of these movements and they they can do it well, meaning they quote pass, then it lets us know. Well, listen, when they were moving in in space and they were doing the overhead squat, then when they when they didn't you know do it well and we marked it as a compensation, but yet they know they can do it here, then it's actually a weakness. If they are restricted and they also were restricted during the the overhead squat, then we know we need to spend more time foam rolling, stretching and doing those types of um, exercises. But then we can flip it and really work on the muscles, too, to increase and um, and hopefully restore that proper range of motion throughout the corrective exercise continuum.
1: Well, so So going back to what you just said is the corrective exercise continuum. Remember, this is an evidence based approach. So you would inhibit the overactive tissue. First, it could be foam rollers. It could be the massage guns that you see out there. There's different techniques. Then you would lengthen anything that's chronically shortened. Then you could look at activating anything that is weak. And then you would integrate, get it back to where the whole body starts to play nice with each other. So I purposely put up here, Vernon Griffith. He's a a friend of mine. He is kind of known now on Instagram as like one of the things he's talked about is the hip. He really has some great content on there. And it's not just content for the sake of content. Vernon truly understands a strategic approach to how to improve hip mobility. So there's one other area that you can uh, or one way you can find content. But when you see someone like Vernon doing hip mobility stuff, plug it backwards into one of these four continuums. Is it the inhibit? Is it the lengthen? Is it the activate? Is it the integrate? Don't just do it for the sake of doing it, even if they're putting little nuggets of information out there. Try to take that bit of information and put it back into your corrective exercise continuum so you know exactly where these type of exercises or drills could be used.
0: Yes, <laughs> and you know just because it's on instagram doesn't mean that it's right you right. know just
1: uh <laughs> right so you know obviously we have to talk about why hip and turn rotation is important and when you knew I were chatting this morning so I'm going to steal another line from Vernon he just put this out there not long ago and I love it it's just so clear you've got to treat a hip like a hip not like a knee and a lot of people in their life they sit in a chair they go into the gym and they do a leg press a leg extension lunges in the sagittal plane they you know you've got to understand the hip is a ball and socket joint. It's designed to add mobility in multiple planes. So you've got to address the frontal plane. You've got to address the transverse plane. And that to me is, is just a great way that, you know, I'm going to steal what he said is treat the hip like a hip. So when you look at these high level athletes, so we'll start with the tennis player on the left. So as she now we'll be going through her backhand. I'm assuming that as she goes through that to attack the ball, she's going into dynamic hip internal rotation. If We look at our golfer here. He has to go into hip internal rotation on the backswing and then aggressively and dynamically go into hip internal rotation for his follow through. And then of course, I'm always going to put a baseball one in there. Think of that hip internal rotation in the position that that athlete is in right now. So your body's going to find a way to get somewhere. So hopefully if you have good hip internal rotation, you can do these type of motions very, very well. But if you look at our everyday athlete, when, do you know, I travel a ton and I watch people try to pick up suitcases and move, even when they're doing things, they don't realize that they're loading hip internal rotation when they're reaching down to pick up their grandchild or their pet that they're bringing, or they're reaching up and over to put up a suitcase. So we are trying to go in and out of hip internal rotation much more than we think every day. But not everybody truly has a strategy to improve it after they've assessed it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important too. You know, obviously, when we're assessing, we do look at the ankle, we look at the knee, and we mm-hmm. look at the hip. Guys, remember the knee is kind of the, the joint that's stuck in the middle. So if someone's complaining about having, you know, like you might see some swelling or knee discomfort or knee pain, as, as somebody may tell you, that's what they're experiencing you know, if they have really good mobility or even if it's somewhat okay, again, ideally 20 degrees of range of motion at the ankle, and we don't have 45 degrees at the hip, the hip can actually really put the knee in a compromised position, especially when you're doing some of these rotational movements. Plus Marty and I, you know, we've talked multiple times about, you know, some of our clientele. Again, we both kind of started out more in baseball. So working with athletes, especially baseball pitchers, um coming back from a tommy john rehab or coming back from you know a labrum tear or something really focusing on movement it is astonishing that when you really look at getting better range of motion and looking at that 45 degrees as a golfer how their speed ahead um increases because they have the right rotational power and better range of motion same thing with the pitcher that you know i mean just a couple miles an hour makes a significant difference um especially to the batter but also for contracts. And so, you know, and longevity, I think that's one thing that I leave out very often in order to stay healthy. You've got to be as ideal in these major joints as possible. And because I've seen this be limited in all of these sports, it's one of the easiest things that someone can do to correct themselves and really start to feel better.
1: Right. Without a doubt. And for those of you just joining us today on the master truck Roundtable, Marty Miller here with Wendy bats. We're talking all things hip internal rotation so we're going to have gone through the importance assessments what it looks like through different movements and now we're going to even talk about some programming ideas so wendy i was hijacking some pictures so again you see vernon there on the left as well as what i thought was a you know we try to find the best images we can on the internet that are you know uh, within the five kinetic chain checkpoint so as a precursor right here Wendy and I didn't take these pictures. We look for the ones we can. If the five kinetic chain checkpoints are out of order, yes, we agree. It's always about the five kinetic chain checkpoints. But what you're seeing now uh, through social media, which I love, is I think the word has gotten out there. Wendy and I can go back to where 15, 18 years ago, people thought we were nuts for doing foam rolling. We had to bring our own foam rollers. So like things are finally catching up. So one of the things that Wendy and I've always done is work on hip internal rotation. But now I see more of what I call hip internal rotation biased exercises. You see people doing them in the gym. You see people doing on Instagram. Like I think again, the fitness industry is catching up. So you see Vernon doing um, a different version of like a pigeon there. So you could do it statically. You can do it actively with a reach. There's a lot of things you can do. And this one on the right could just be a hip internal rotation biased reach or lunge where you're rotating over that lead leg with your torso, which is starting to get that ball and socket joint to have to move in and out of internal rotation. So there's nothing wrong with doing a sagittal plane lunge, but when it's time, you can also have that hip internal rotation bias. Now, remember the foot, ankle, and knee would still be going straight. It's that you're loading over the hip in internal rotation, but the knee would still be straight ahead in the sagittal plane.
0: And one thing that I've done a lot with my clients, especially when you're looking at the image on the right hand side, is if you notice someone goes into knee valgus and you know they're really struggling and you want to start to incorporate different movements to try to, to actually get that movement throughout the hip. If you get close to a wall and you take a you know a foam roller and you place the foam roller against the wall and then also to the outside of that client's knee, and you have them press against it. And again, they're doing the single leg. So they're in the exact same position, but now the foam roller is against a wall and now on the outside of the knee, they have to kind of push into that foam roller, which then means they're pushing into more of an abducted position. They cross their hands and then they're having to go through internal range of, or um, uh, internal and external um, motion. So they're swinging their, their torso side to side to get more movement throughout that you're working on a lot of things. You're working on, on balance. So you're really working on foot alignment. You're also making sure the knee doesn't cave in because they're using their outer hip to fire, but then you're working through range of motion throughout the joint. And so there's a bunch of different ways of looking at, at, at possibilities that can help enhance someone's ability to do this. That's one of my favorite things to do when I notice that somebody's really lacking that because there's a lot of different Um, feedback, you know, they're having to do that. So the knee has to remain intact with the foam roller, because if not the foam roller falls, if they fall over because their balance is there, they have the other foot to tap down. So, and then again, really trying to teach them how to single leg, especially if they're in rotational sports, they're planning and then hitting or, or doing something like that. They're having the ability to work on what they need for their special activity, as well as just walking in general.
1: Yeah. I love those as well. There's so many great uh, ways to do that. It's, to me, it's almost like a flossing type of motion. You're just, or Mm -hmm. lubricating the joint. You're just getting that motion through that joint. And it's so critical for hip internal rotation.
0: Yeah. But also making sure you don't hip hike. I think that's also a really big compensation. We see sometimes people hike it and then drop it. You want to maintain really good movement throughout with as neutral um, pelvic alignment as possible.
1: Right. And some of the exercises here, you know, I wish we had videos, but if you look at the far left one, all you're doing is you can see his left leg is straight and he's just doing a rotational crossover with his right leg. Simple. You could do it with a touch. You know, maybe he doesn't put the foot down. There's different ways to do it. But what he's doing is he's really creating internal rotation on the leg. You know, as he steps over. So it's just a great way, again, to kind of get a little motion, a little bit of a warm up as you get going. You can have the arms crossed, you can keep the chest still. There's ways you can do that. But then the one in the middle, I like to do these. There's, you know, a split stance. You can almost do it like a Romanian deadlift. And instead of just reaching straight down, you reach across the body. And now that way, you're starting to get that hip into rotation on that lead leg. And then also, Wendy, I couldn't find it, but something like here with the off press. I will purposely put myself in a position of internal rotation on one leg and then press across my body. So I don't have to just press straight out. I could on this individual, I could turn that left leg into slight internal rotation and then press out across a little more diagonal. And now I could do still do that payoff press, but have an internal rotation hip bias if I need it.
0: Yeah. And guys, these are just different exercises to think about, you know, because you can do anything and have your own way of, of trying to help someone really get better rotation. Um, I, I really like all of these because Marty and I both together were like, oh my gosh, I do this one, I do that one. I mean, so so it's good because, you know, A, we're like-minded professionals, which is kind of scary. I think I can read finish your sentences these days, Marty, but but these are all really good things that actually work. <laughs>
1: I would never suggest some that didn't work.
0: I know, but you know,
1: but they're simple, right? You could do these anytime. And then some other ones, whether the band is there or not, I'm not, I, I couldn't find one without the band. You can see his foot's kind of, you know, leading a little bit, trying to get some extra range of motion, but let's assume his foot was dorsiflexed at 90 degrees. You could do a resistance band, but I kind of call these windshield wipers. I'll do these just, I put my fists there. To make, Or you could do like a potential yoga block, just to make sure that you're keeping your hips in the right position. And if the hips start to flare out, you would lose contact. So it's just going into that 90 degree hip internal rotation. And then you can do here, um, you know, it's like a reverse clamshell, right? So you're just doing sideline hip internal rotation, just very easy, can do it without any equipment. Great for part of that corrective exercise strategic warm up in the activation portion before you get to integration.
0: Yeah. And guys, remember to posture and the five cadet chain checkpoints and everything, it's going to be really about the quality because it's very easy for someone that's very weak to compensate and it may be slight, But that's, you know, slight compensation will make a huge impact on whether this is going to be successful or not. So really watching those motions, watching how someone does it, making sure the motion and tempo is slow and controlled. And as Marty said, it's more fluid in motion. You don't want it to be choppy. If you notice that someone's struggling and they can only go part way and then they have to kind of readjust. If if they had a band, definitely remove the band. Doing this without the band and gravity itself is very challenging to start. But then if they do end up, you know, um, wanting to make it more challenging, or you think that they're ready to progress, then adding the band for sure. But, but I noticed, especially the one on the right, clients will easily want to kind of roll their entire body towards the floor, trying to get their foot to rise, especially when they get, you know, around seven or eight reps.
1: (laughs) Right. You know, you'd think these would be easy, but so I think Wendy's, we, we do a recap here. I think some of the key things is you know, establishing that ideal hip internal rotation needs to be addressed. It needs to be looked at. It needs to be considered through an assessment process. You know, we took right out of NASM's text how you could evaluate that hip internal rotation and the why. And then we will always, there's no question, Wendy and I will always bring it back to the model, whether it's the corrective exercise model or the OPT model, we view them all as one long continuum, of course. But this is crucial within that corrective exercise, targeted warm up. Let's really address hip internal rotation to make sure that there's adequate motion there. And again, we're looking for around 45 degrees. If we can get 30 and above, I think you're doing pretty well for most people. We're always going to look for that 45. But Wendy, you and I have evaluated people that have five degrees of hip internal rotation, t- maybe 10 degrees. Not good. Um, that's why those are I had a professional cool.
0: golfer come and see me at negative three.
1: That's impressive
0: i mean i've never seen anything like that in my in my life so so guys yeah, and again I, I i did this one i was like okay maybe my numbers are wrong i used the new the new assessments i mean it was it was actually something like
1: the joint had calcified or something
0: yeah i mean but you know what in all reality literally within three training sessions and giving him things to do we got him back onto the golf course at 35 and higher so right. it could be done it's just waking up muscles and then getting some of those to relax, to make sure that, you know, everything was firing the way it was meant to fire. It's amazing so how, it. um, you know, when you take the time to address something, how quick it can turn as long as it's not something that, you know, medically we can't do ourselves.
1: So you're saying the model works.
0: You know what the model works.
1: Well, you know. <laughs> well with that being said, Wendy, I think that hopefully this was an interesting topic to our audience. I know that, it's one of those things that kind of goes under the radar sometimes, so I'm hoping everyone got value, but if anyone wants to follow up with you, can you please provide them your contact Yes,
0: you guys can always email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13.
1: And mine's coming up immediately right here, dr.martymiller72, and then email is marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, great stuff as always. And to our NASM audience, thank you so much for joining us today on the Master Instructor Roundtable.